0: In this episode, I'll take a look at the common ways that horses and students get stuck, and more importantly, how they can get unstuck. And it's normal that our progress sometimes comes rapidly, and sometimes it comes a little slower. It's even normal for it to hit plateaus every now and then, but those plateaus can start to feel like ruts if we don't know how to get out of them. That's when it's important to able to step back and reevaluate how we can freshen things up and spark new progress so here we go episode 35 get unstuck hi i'm karen rolf and welcome to horse training in harmony this podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love It's about learning how to move and be in harmony because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. There are lots of ways that we can feel stuck in our progress with our horses. It can happen if we lose track of our goals, or even if we're not sure what they should be. It's easy to lose inspiration if we run out of new ideas. And we can get stuck if we aren't able to reach out for help from people who really get what we're trying to do with our horse. And we can get stuck if we don't know a proven step-by-step progression of exercises to get where we want to go. Now, when I think about getting stuck, I also think about the actual horses, you know, getting stuck. And that can happen when our horses are unbalanced. It can happen if our horses are, you know, if we're feeling things like brace and resistance from our horses. Students will often say, "Ah, my horse feels so stuck. And often they're talking about things like resistance or opposition or brace. A student might describe their horse as being sticky or stuck if they're low energy or even bulky. And our horses might feel stuck if they're getting emotional and stressed. And we, you know, on a daily or regular basis, and you just can't seem to get past it, you know, it's it's actually any time that the same problems keep coming up again and again. So I thought I'd look at each of those, you know, look at how we get stuck in our progress, but also look at how our horses actually get stuck when we ride them. And I think I'll start with the horses first, and then we'll move on to the general topic of why you might get stuck in your progress let's look at the the feeling of being stuck when there's brace so brace can be like i said any anytime you ask your horse to do something and their first thought is no and then they go what <laughs> Right. so it can be a, a lack of openness to suggestion now that can also come from a lack of trust so sometimes it's a physical lack of openness. You know, some horses are sort of more muscle bound type horses. They just feel stuck when you go to touch them, they almost, their, their quality of their flesh <laughs> almost seems to bounce you off of them. So that might be a more physical kind of feeling of stuck. Um, but a lot of times there's an emotional component where there's, like I said, a lack of trust, a defensiveness can cause a rigidity in their muscles. So even something that's physical might have an emotional root. And of course, when horses are confused, they can also be stuck. Some horses respond to confusion by just freezing. (laughs) Like I'm not going to do anything (laughs) if I'm not sure. Now um, brace is often a term or feeling stuck uh, is often a term used when people are describing issues with their contact. You know, I'm heavy in my reins, my horse is stuck on my hands, things like that. I'm stuck having to hold my horse up. And the that also can be from a lack of trust or a general um, lack of openness to suggestion. But with contact issues, the other thing to remember is that Contact issues are usually not contact issues. Things like imbalance in the body is usually the main cause of contact issues. Um, So again, trust, communication, alignment and balance, rider balance. That's a big cause of brace. You can get into the cycle of we're not sure who got off balance first, but one of you got off balance. And now, if there's contact, you're supporting each other in your imbalances. And one of you has to make the change first. And guess what? It's your responsibility as the rider. And if you think about um, this analogy of, of being great, you know, being supporting each other in the brace. It's like, what do I mean by that? Well, imagine um, you're standing, you know, with somebody. And if you're in each in self carriage, you could hold each other's hands. So like picture you're holding, uh, you know, each other's hands in your hands, both hands, uh, but you know, in front of you. And if you're both in balance, that can be really pleasant if it's somebody that you like, and you're just looking into each other's eyes and holding hands with them, and you're both balanced. Now, if you imagine one of you gets off balance. So picture one of you starts to lean back and the other one is now holding on. Now, can you imagine if you're now counterbalancing? So you're both standing, you haven't fallen over yet, but because you're holding on to each other. So in that moment, the sensation almost is, wow, I hope that person doesn't let go because I'm going to fall on my butt (laughs) if they do. So you become stuck in this brace because you're now counterbalancing each other. And the only way to counteract that is for one of you to make sure you come into your own balance in a way that gives the other one a chance to come into their balance. So now you're not leaning on each other. And there's a real art (laughs) to that. Um, So anyway, that's how brace can, can, beget brace and the solution you know for that is to build the trust the self-carriage and the openness to mental emotional and physical suggestions you need to build trust self-carriage and openness to mental emotional and physical suggestions and what i mean by mental emotional physical suggestions is you know mental is easy that's that they understand right so anytime i think about mental you want to think do they understand that's how you solve mental issues and so when you when you ask something of your horse you make sure that they um, they can be open to it if they already understand it so have you taught it openness to emotional um, suggestions is kind of your relationship bank account It's how's the resiliency, how much trust have you built up that now you can go into different situations with your horse where there's excitement or even a little fear or, you know, something boring. And you still have enough emotional uh, bank account built up and trust built up that they can ride that wave. They can get a little bored and then come right back to you. They can be in a little bit of an intense situation, but they can still be communicating with you. And that's something often you have to practice on purpose. And if you don't, then they're going to be checking out or getting defensive or, you know, every man for himself, (laughs) right? And those things can cause brace, right? So if you're somewhere with your horse, he gets scared, He's wanting to like check his ex- exits and get out of there. You're holding him in place, and now you have race simply because of an emotional issue. And the physical suggestions is about you know again, it's it's a it's not just the mental and emotional, but there's a physical let looseness to it. There's the the feeling that in the movements that they do, they use the muscles that they need because they understand and they're motivated and they're not using a lot of other muscles that they don't need. So there's a lot of things wrapped into that, like balance, right? They have to be balanced in a way that they can move like a ballerina and not like you're trying to shove a picnic table sideways. (laughs) But there's also, you know, so there's the efficiency of the movement, the coordination of the movement. But there's also, again, that physical quality to the muscle and an example of how in dressage naturally, uh, we try to develop an openness physically is in the moving massage technique where you're moving with your horse, you have your hands on the horse, this is from the ground and you're actually, uh, feeling and i don't want to say manipulating because you're not but you're interacting with the quality of the muscling in movement and you're encouraging deeper relaxation during that movement and through that openness that lack of muscular defensiveness now when the horse goes to move they're not fighting against tension but they can just move All right so if you want to use your bicep and flex your arm. It's going to be easier if your tricep is not locked up. So things like the moving massage really help to feel the horse's body. And if I know I'm going to be asking for, you know, to use an example, you know, a bicep curl, and that's what I really want to help, you know, my partner to be practicing, I might be doing moving massage on the tricep and thinking, how can that relax more? It's, that's the idea that's just a general example and moving massage it's a, it's less tactical like that and it's more just feel based because the reality is a relaxed muscle is stronger so even if i'm looking for bicep flexing the more relaxed the bicep is the stronger it will be anyway <laughs> a little bit of a long answer about um physical openness to suggestion but hopefully that gives you the idea Now, another way that horses get stuck is around this lack of motivation. So they, and when horses feel not motivated, you know, a lot of times people will use the word lazy to describe a horse. I do not use the word lazy. There's no such thing as a lazy horse because really, why should they do anything for us? So lack of motivation in horses, is because they're not feeling well compensated for what they're doing. So the solution, so lack of motivation in horses is usually because they don't feel like they're being well compensated for what they're doing. So the question you need to ask yourself is what's in it for him or why should he be doing what I'm asking? The key to solving a lack of motivation issue, stuckness, bulkiness, just saying no or doing the absolute minimal requirement. (laughs) Uh, It is about helping your horse feel proud and excited to do what you ask them to do. So how can you reward more? How can you do it in a way that accesses um, the horse's yeah, feeling of pride, feeling like they are making the decision to do it, not just being obliging. And I have a whole podcast and blog about this assumption of obligingness. I don't want my horse to do something just because I asked. I mean, that's sort of layer number one, (laughs) you know, because I said so and you understand, but then why should they keep doing it on any kind of long-term basis or how can we motivate them in a way that we can build more and more challenging you know requests on top of the basics and it's really about them feeling on the inside that they are enjoying what they're doing or at least they feel like it's worth it to them so using um, rewards you know food rewards or whatever your horse likes to do You you can use a reward if you're doing arena work to you know after they performed a certain level then you go for a walk or a gallop or jump a jump or whatever it is your horse likes to do. That's why it's so important to know your individual horse and what lights him up and how can you, you know, surprise him like a freshly baked batch of chocolate chip cookies, you know, (laughs) whatever the equivalent of that is, that makes him really happy that he did it. And when you can use motivation, really, um, artfully, really well, the horse ends up feeling like they're doing stuff to get the reward out of you. (laughs) And we've probably all met horses who've learned how to do that. They're the ones who are kind of annoying you and pushing you around and doing this, you know, quote unquote, annoying trick over and over again, because it got them something. Right? So if you have a horse who's, annoying you for cookies or doing any kind of behavior because you know once they they got something out of it that they liked you know look at that they're giving you clues as to how to train them now sometimes that behavior is um a trick that you taught them and you taught it to them once and you really thought it was cute so you gave them lots of cookies and now they do it all the time and it's cute sometimes it can be you know, you've, you your horse pushed you and you gave him a cookie and then like, oops, and now you taught him that and now he just pushes you. So it's kind of a, an annoying habit, but still they're really good at it. They're really persistent at it. They do it all the time, <laughs> right? So it's still, you can still learn from it. And sometimes horses learn things that we really don't want at all. You know, some horse gets scared, rears up, turns in the air. So when they land, you're looking at their butt and they go, "Hmm, I can just leave. (laughs) So maybe it happens once out of fear or something. And then some horses go, Hey, that's a, that's a pretty good move. And then they do it all the time and it gets them something, you know, that's not ideal. It gets them away from us and we don't want them to be away from us, but it's just an example of a horse putting in a big effort to do something because it it gets him something that he wants. So if we can look at those examples and think, wow, that really worked. (laughs) How can I use that to help teach my horse things like uh, more collection (laughs) or make him really happy that he kicked into a different gear during those extensions or something like that, whatever it is. And that's why I like to teach my students silly horse tricks is what I call them, because those sorts of tricks are often easier to teach. They're so um, clear, they're physically easy. And one of the main reasons for them is to teach students a little better timing about rewarding um, to really um, have it so they and their horses can enjoy Um, very clear, simple results like touch this thing with your nose or put your foot on that thing. (laughs) Everybody knows when you got it right, including your horse, which is the most important thing. And there's usually food rewards involved. And what students start to really notice is the look on their horse's face that they just light up. They love these tricks. And but then when they go and do dressage, it's like a completely different, um, attitude, a completely different vibe. They go from, Hey, how can I teach my horse to do this cute thing and have him really happy and look how much he's offering it almost to the point of annoyance, <laughs> which could be a lovely problem. And then they go in the arena. Now it's like, no, my horse must work for me. Cause he's my business partner. What happened? Uh, one of my horses, Solana, um, really is a great example of this. She was a horse, she is. Well, no, well, she is still alive, but she used to be, as a young horse, just right off the bat, very physically not open to suggestion. You know, the kind of horse where when you're riding along and then you put your leg on and they hit the brakes. (laughs) You know, one of those ones that just feels like they have a natural block against you. They kind of bounce you off of their flesh. Um, so, and, and not really supple and a little bit strong willed, however, really enjoyed tricks. So here was this horse that I felt like, Oh gosh, I'm really behind the leg. Haven't always motivated her to go forward, but doing silly tricks. She was super enthusiastic, like almost exuberantly enthusiastic. And so in her training, I did lots of tricks and then we would kind of, you know, work with this finding the sweet spot protocol to, you know, help get, try to get her open enough enough to suggestion to realize that I was trying to help her find a place that was more balanced and free to move. That took a little bit of convincing. We finally made a breakthrough there and we got pretty nice working gates but then we, we sort of hit a little bit of a plateau or I'd say the progress was not as fast as other horses that I had. And I, I really was not sure if she was going to be an actual dressage horse because she just was not that open to suggestion <laughs> as far as how she should move her body. However, there was a real breakthrough moment in the collectability exercise when we started getting to like third level she started to go oh these are like movements like tricks so you know i started treating things like a shoulder in or a half pass or a schooling pirouette or half steps as actual tricks the same thing as touch this thing with your nose or put this thing in your bucket and i you know do nothing and then ready get set half pass yay cookies reward and she really started to um, think of it that way. So now she's a total rock star. We go through a little warm up process, and then a few minutes into the ride, we start doing movements. She starts to turn it on, and she's starting to get exuberantly enthusiastic about dressage now that the movements are actually harder. <laughs> it was harder to get her just to pick up the canner <laughs> than it is now to do a canner pirouette. So that's the power of figuring out how to motivate your horse and help them feel proud and well compensated. Now, another cause of getting stuck with your horse is chronic imbalance. Every horse is crooked and, you know, and every horse is born on the forehand. So, a lot of times we get stuck because there's this core crookedness or imbalance that's not being um, really addressed at the core so many times people are trying to hold their horses straight or put them in a shape but it doesn't or or hold their horses up in the front And you can get it to look pretty close, but the trouble is it never gets to a place where the horse actually feels aligned and feels like they can carry themselves and recreate it themselves. And so because of this, there's gonna be a constant fighting of it. You know, crookedness, I, I say all the time that, you know, alignment and balance feels good, even to the horse, and that is Absolutely true. Bodies will seek balance if given the opportunities, but the reality is if you're crooked and you're crooked for a long enough time, your brain will tell you that that's normal and that's straight. It's just too much information to process on a daily basis, wherever you're crooked and you stay there for a long time, everybody just gets used to it and your brain stops thinking about it and goes, "Eh, this must be straight. So when you first change that, though it will feel, um, wrong. So if your horse is used to being crooked and they always have their hind end hanging out to the left, if you keep a lot of left leg on and you manipulate the right shoulder and you make that horse straight, even though, you know, he is straighter, it will feel to the horse like he's crooked and it will be a natural response for the horse to try to get back to the normal crooked. So you're going to get stuck in the cycle of if you're holding him straight from your left leg, you're going to need to hold him harder and harder and harder because he's going to want to be pushing back because compared to what he thinks is normal, you know, now you've put him in a place that feels weird. (laughs) And there's the brace. There's your stuck. You're stuck always having to hold those haunches with your left leg and the shoulder with your right hand. So there is a solution and the solution is believe it or not playfulness you need to be able to playfully experiment with new ranges of motion and so this is in the finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics protocol for in my program the key exercise is called the basic alignment exercise and there's a lot of um you know, pieces to this. There's a lot of psychology in using this and feel and timing, but in a nutshell is instead of trying to make the horse straight and hold them straight, you're, you actually play with it and you overshoot the target and you experiment and you see if you can find the place where the horse says, whoa, among all these choices, this, I choose this one because this one feels more aligned for me. So you need to play with it In a way that changes how the horse feels about how he's moving not just change how he looks like he's moving so this is some you know when i tell people this you know if your horse is crooked what's the solution and i say to playfully experiment Um, a lot of dressage you know dressage people will be like wait that's not what i was expecting you to say that feels very different than what my trainer is saying, where it's all just like, keep them straight, he must be perfect, don't let this fall apart. So, you know, we can go deeper into that. That's all part of this finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics protocol. Um, We teach it in module three in my sweet spot course, Um, but there's lots of pieces um, that lead up to that to be able to do it because you need to have all those possibilities at your fingertips to play with. But that is the basic idea. So again, so the common ways horses get stuck, brace, lack of motivation, chronic imbalance, and the solutions are trust, self-carriage, openness to suggestions, make your horse feel well compensated and proud and playfully experiment with new ranges of motion. Okay. Now on to people. <laughs> Why do students get stuck? Now, You might be thinking, I'm going to talk about goal setting and motivation, you know, and that's true. So a lot of times people get stuck because they lack goals or they lack motivation, but I always like to get to the core root issues. So like, why are the, are they not setting goals? Why are, why are students not even motivated to, to set goals or why are they not motivated to carry out the goals? That they set. You know, there's a lot of information out there about goal setting. It's easy to Google, but why don't we do it? And like I said, if we if we do set goals, then why aren't we actually doing them? You know, if you think about motivation, it's like we're we're talking about doing stuff with our horses. <laughs> you know. We don't have to do horses, like we have a horse because we love horses. So it's like, why wouldn't we be motivated? But it happens. This is You're not alone if you feel like you're getting stuck. And I was just saying to someone the other day, you know, it's funny because when we put our horse in a stall, if he has to be on stall rest for some unfortunate reason, you know, like the longer they're in the stall, the more they like want to get out of that stall and they want to go do something. And I always feel like, you know, the longer I sit on the couch, the more I just want to sit on the couch. <laughs> so, you know even though it's, I'm doing this podcast now, it's springtime, right? So a lot of people are like, woohoo, it's springtime. I can't wait to get going. I know that there's a a large percentage of students who are like, you know, you've been, because of winter or mud or whatever reason, you haven't been doing as much with your horse. And sometimes it's hard to get going. It's hard to, to, start going again because you've been sitting on the couch and sitting on the couch just makes you want to keep sitting on the couch. And and I don't mean that in a like lazy term. I just know that's my sensation. It's like, wow, if I ever have to like sit around and do nothing, I just feel like doing more nothing, (laughs) but getting started on something helps me do more. So let's look at a little deeper into why students actually get stuck and lose that motivation. One of the reasons that I've seen is if students don't have a usable framework or blueprint to follow. And what happens is they end up trying to patch, they either try to patch together different bits of information because, you know, they're picking up a little here and a little there. And the trouble is it doesn't actually give you a clear enough path or direction to go, or it, it leads to a lack of, you know, one consistent voice or set of principles and priorities to connect the dots. And I always like to think about principles and priorities first. This is where I see a real disconnect. So, you know, either students are patching different things together. And maybe those things don't even match the same goals or principles or priorities, or they do have a system that they're following, but they're getting stuck because that one system doesn't match their own personal principles and priorities. And I know I've talked about the principles and priorities of Dressage Naturally in previous podcasts. You can go to my website, dressagenaturally.net. And if you click at the top in the about, uh, tab, Um, there's, I describe, you know, the core uh, concepts and things of Dressage Naturally. And one of the things you can click on is principles and priorities, and I lay them all out there. So I'll let you go um, check that out. I'll put the link to it in my notes, but it's easy to find. Dressagenaturally.net slash about, and it it gives my uh, methodology. So what you need, what students like this need is a system for problem solving, a system for problem solving that matches principles and priorities. And in, in my program, you know, there's a, there's a lot of consistency because it's my voice (laughs) guiding through everything from the most basic horsemanship, relationshipy kind of partnership stuff with your horse all the way through the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics and all the way through advancing gymnastics. So there's a consistency in this one voice kind of connecting all those dots together and how you catch your horse might affect your pee off, <laughs> you know, and vice versa. Uh, so that's what I mean by, you know, consistency, but on the other hand, you, I don't recommend following a system that's too narrow unless you already have a pretty confident base of support or playing field of horsemanship. Because the truth is, if the system is too rigid, there's a high chance that you you and your particular horse may not fit in it. <laughs> so when you're more experienced with how to navigate a blueprint or a framework, like you know a, a you know look here kind of method, and here's the things you should be looking for when you've you'd be able to move through a system and experience moving through a system and a progression and getting help and learning how to problem solve along the way, then you can more easily follow a very narrow, rigid path, especially in this online world now i mean you can if you have a narrow system that you're following and you have someone there every moment of the day to really watch and mentor you and, and help you apply it to your specific horse. You know, that's one thing, but out here with all the stuff on the internet, there's just such a risk of picking a very narrow particular system. And they, and what happens is those people who made that program aren't seeing what's going on with you and your horse at home. So that's why it was really important to me, um, in creating the dressage naturally materials is even though there are certain exercises that have a very particular step-by-step, the main concept is, has some looseness to it. It's really designed to help you help students see their horses understand what to be looking for, understand how to self-assess and compare where are you compared to where you want to go. Here's some things you should be looking for, and here's how to adapt it to your particular horse, because you are the one that's out there finding it all by yourself with nobody looking. That's how I teach it. And so that that's what I mean by a framework or a blueprint. It's not like exactly what you should do, but it's kind of like, Hey, follow these guidelines and then I can help you navigate that. So that's what I mean by the solution is a system for problem solving. It's not a system for here's exactly what a perfect, you know, (laughs) perfect dressage horse looks at at every level. Well, that's nice, but you need to have a system for problem solving. And that problem, that system has to match your priorities and your principles. Otherwise you're going to be one of the people that emails me things like, I have a dressage trainer and she gets good results, but something just doesn't feel right with my horse. Or my trainer asked, you know, said I should do X, Y, and Z, and my horse is doing it, but something just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. And that's a mismatch. And there, there's so many systems that could work. You need to find the one that works for you. Because if you're not feeling great about what's being um, what you're being asked to do, you're you're it's not gonna have success. You're gonna get stuck because you're gonna halfway do it. You're gonna do it because you think you're supposed to, but it's not gonna feel right, so you're not gonna really do it. And your horse is gonna know it doesn't feel right. So that's what I mean by that. All right, so another way students get stuck is because of self-doubt and students need to be empowered to trust their instincts in a non-judgmental environment where they feel free to experiment and not get stuck in right versus wrong. So I think I kind of <laughs> explained that a little bit in, in in talking about the framework of the blueprint, you know, we have to know that the reality of training is it's not this perfect straight line. The reality of any training is there's a little wandering around and there's setbacks and oops, I did that too much. And now I got to come back here and fix it and then build it back up again. I mean, that's just normal. And I think a lot of times trainers who know that that's actually the reality, after going through that for some years, they go, ha ha, now I know what I should have done the whole time. And they write down a system. Here's what you need to do. Um, but they forget that every student going through that is going to need to go through that same process of wiggling around, overshooting, coming back. Whoops. I got to go back and fix that thing and build it up again because that's reality. So that's why I like to build in, um, the confidence of students to not get stuck going, am I doing this right? But to really trust their instincts in what they're feeling. I know students feel, in in teaching students all over the world and asking them in the moment, even during live clinics, you tell me what you're feeling, you tell me when you've got it. I realize students absolutely positively are feeling what they need to feel. The disconnect, and the getting stuck happens when they, instead of just feeling it and acknowledging it and acting upon it, they feel it. And then they go, should I be feeling that? What does that mean by that feeling? What am I supposed to do? Is that wrong? Is that right? And now the moment's passed and they're not acting in the moment. And especially if they've been in lessons where they've been criticized or, um, Demeaned <laughs> during their lesson for making mistakes. So, building a student's confidence confidence to, to realize that they are feeling what they're feeling and it's true. We can talk about how to interpret that feeling, like that takes experience, but they have to be able to feel it, express it, ask a question about it, talk about it, and feel like they're in a non judgmental environment where they can play, they can, they can try some things that work and try some things that don't work and, um, not feel yeah, punished or demeaned for doing that. And that's, you know, anybody who knows what I teach and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, the empowered, empowered learning transformative experience where people learn to independently problem solve is like, that's, that's my thing. That's the fascination. You know, it's easy to put out an exercise and say, here, this is what the exercise is. What's interesting is like, how do you actually get people to really do it and to really know that they did it? So the next place that I see students getting stuck is when they feel alone, when they feel like there's nobody else around them that understands what they're trying to do you know, or they have a horse at home and they really are alone. They're riding by themselves and they don't get feedback or support from anybody. And so it's really important, no matter who you are and where you are, that you figure out a way to find real people to talk to who share your common goals and common strategies. And that's where those shared principles and priorities can come come into play. And I I really do suggest you going to my website and checking those out, um, because sometimes you might go, how do I come up with principles and priorities and just use, you know, look at what I have just to get an idea. And then you can you can create your own if those don't align with you. And this is why in um, the dressage naturally world, it's so important that I have touch points for students. We've got Facebook groups for the video classroom. We've got Facebook groups for the step-by-step courses. We've got live calls every week for some of the step-by-step courses. Other ones have them twice a month. Other ones have them four times a year. And we just always make sure that we have touch points, that there's always someone um, to reach out to that gets what you're trying to do. You know, I, there's, again, more and more as things go digital, there's so many people who've gone digital this year because of the pandemic. And there's so much more to creating an online virtual learning experience than just like throwing stuff up there. You've got to give people a way to reach out a way to ask a question, a way to celebrate a win and have people go, yeah, I see you, (laughs) you know, so that's what we try to do is to, um, create that community, uh, and create that support. And, and I, I did that because I realized that's how I get unstuck when I get stuck with a horse and yeah, it happens to me too, or if I'm feeling not motivated or whatever it is, or fuzzy on my goals, you know, there's my peers that I reach out to and I'll, I'll send a text to someone. or I'll just give, give one of my, you know, colleagues, my, my peers a call. I'm like, oh, can I just talk to you about this? And, you know, sometimes we commiserate and just share challenges and it's good just to not feel alone. And sometimes we just go, you know, I just got to tell you, you know, I got six, one tempies on novation for the first time or, you know, whatever it is, or like, Oh God, I'm really stuck. I can't get fill in the blank to work um it's so helpful just to have somebody to talk to but again they have to get what you're doing i have a i have you know some of my trainer friends really get what i'm doing and some don't so you know some i can say something you know about one of my silly horse tricks and she just kind of looks at me like a deer in the headlight she's like okay i guess that's good (laughs) But it's still, she honors that I need to say that to somebody and, uh, and other people I can, you know, call and, and they, you know, like, okay, I was doing this silly horse trick and I need help with this. And, you know, <laughs> how do I change exactly where in his nose he touches this thing? And I have other people I can call for that. So, um, we try to in dressage naturally, you know, we get that we have a range from silly horse tricks to, you know, how your horse stands while you you know tack and groom him all the way up to you know counter changes a hand at the half pass we you know my community can help um we get the whole thing we understand that it's like you want partnership you want to take that partnership with you and you want to do stuff with it you want to go out and perform or at least have some sort of result and progression and in my community it's everything we have People who just want to have like a happier trail ride all the way up to competing. So that's, that's that. And you know, once, once you solve these, once you solve those issues for getting stuck, then goal setting can work. And it'll work now because it's more possible. if You set a goal, but then you, you know, you're not empowered, you feel alone. And you know, all those other things that's you're gonna have a goal written on the wall, but you're not going to go anywhere with it. And for those of you who might be having trouble picking a goal or taking a next step, I thought I'd just guide you through some questions. And if you have a pen and paper, you can write this down as we go. If you're driving or something, just listen. <laughs> and you can go re-listen when you have a pen and paper, but I just guided somebody through this on a, on a live call today. So I, I thought I'd share this. So it was, uh, the person I was talking to was coming out of a, you know, winter and it's muddy. And she's like, Oh, I just can't, I know I want to do stuff with my horses, but I just can't seem to get myself out the door. And I walked her through this process. All right. So I want you to pick something that you know that you really want to do or to be able to do, and let's say within the next six months. So think for a second about something that you wanna be able to do in the next six months. And you know, pick a a realistic dream goal. So something that you know that you're not gonna immediately be like, yeah, that'll never happen, (laughs) right? So pick something that you're gonna feel really great about Um, But don't make it so crazy that you're not even going to believe it's possible. A realistic dream, is what I like to say. And now sometimes, if you're really stuck in a rut, it might even be hard to pick a goal. It's like you you can't even get the motivation, like, I don't even know what I should pick. So if that's you, that's okay. It's normal. Pick something that you will regret if you don't do. And here, this is where, you know, go to the dark side a little bit. <laughs> uh, if you have a sound and healthy horse right now, and you're having trouble picking your goals, I want you to imagine that seven months from now, he has a big injury. What are you going to regret that you didn't do in these next six months? What are you going to go? Oh, I wish I had. So think of that. So if it's hard to pick what you want to do, pick what you're going to regret. If you don't do it, it's the same answer. It's just a different way of thinking about it. But sometimes using that regret word can trigger, oh, I don't know what I want to do, but I know what I'm going to regret if I don't do it. All right. So once you have that, I want you to think, what will it feel like to have done that? So picture you already did it. What will that feel like to be able to say that you did it? What will it feel like to be able to, to, know that you did this thing, whatever it is, it could be a competition. It could be a trail ride. It could be a movement that you're working on with your horse. What will it feel like after doing it? And then, you know, just jot some things down, just jot some words down. And then I want you to think about what will it feel like while you're doing it in the moment of it, what will it feel like in that moment while you're doing the thing that you want to do? And now think about three possible real tangible measurable, meaning, you know, for sure you will have accomplished it ways to achieve that goal. And so what I mean by that, if it's a competition, if you're like, I want to do a competition at second level, then I want you to get um, real and tangible and go, okay, which one like get out the calendar of events, which competition are you going to do? What's the name of it? when is it? <laughs> All right, And it, you know, for the person I was talking to today, she wanted to get out and just start doing some more trail riding. She has great trails in her area. And I said, okay, pick three trails that you know you want to do. And she could pick them. She's like, oh, I know these three. They're great. They're beautiful. Oh my God. It's going to be so great to be out there. My horses love it. So get, get real, make it tangible. And so, you know, whatever your goal is, you know, find a a really, you know, get more specific, make it more real. Like, I don't want to just don't make sure it's not like, I just want to get better. (laughs) Like how exactly are you going to know that you got better? And then if you've picked three examples of that and you know, I love the number three, so (laughs) pick three. So pick three competitions that you could choose from pick three examples of how you're going to know you met your goal. And then of those three, see if there's, if it makes sense, that one is a little more realistic to do first. And so for example, if you have three names of three different competitions, which one would be more realistic to do first are you going to do you know the big expensive one that's far away and costs a lot of money or is there one just around the corner that might be really easy to go to and a little less pressure you know is something like that so make that make sense for you of the ones you just thought of when i had you list 3 which which is the first step like which is the easiest simplest most realistic one to do first and then the next step is to put it on the calendar and some you know for for a competition you know the dates are picked so put it on the calendar if it doesn't have a built-in deadline like it's a particular trail ride put it on the calendar name the name of the trail and exactly what day you're going And at what time? Is it an all day or is that the first half of the day, second half of the day? How long do you need? Do you need three hours or do you need six? So put it on the calendar. If it's just a movement goal, put it on the calendar. Do you think you need three months to achieve that goal? Four or two? Or one? Just put it on the calendar. Practice planning it. And then we'll see. (laughs) but you've got to get on the calendar because deadlines work. And then you can reverse engineer, right? So now you have it on the calendar. Now you can make your plan. You can reverse engineer and go, okay, well, it's on the calendar. Then what do I have to start doing tomorrow or even today? Or even, even as soon as you finish listening to this podcast, what's the next first step. And there's one more piece. And that's accountability. So after you have it on the calendar, tell someone. Is there someone that can go with you? Do it with you? Is there someone you can just go, hey, I just want to tell you. I just put on my calendar that by this date I want to be doing X, Y and Z. And maybe they can join you. Maybe you you can check in with them. Maybe they'll check in with you. But get some accountability or do it as part of a group. so that's one of the reasons we have facebook groups and live q a calls for my um my course like especially my sweet spot course because like there's a little bit of accountability we're all doing it we're showing up on the calls you know there's a little bit of feeling of we're all doing this together all right well i hope that that helps you and your horse get unstuck and as, as always if anybody needs a little more help or needs a framework to follow and a and want to be empowered and in a very fun and non-judgmental environment you know where to find me dressagenaturally.net we have lots of programs and if you're listening to this in either march or september that's when the finding the sweet spot of healthy biomechanics course is open and i would love you to consider that it is our most highly supported transformative, (laughs) life-changing course that we offer. So that's it. See you next time. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse. Move in harmony and enjoy the process.